my fellow Americans, I don't want to be here under false pretenses. I don't have any use for education. I'll explain why. When I was 16 years old, World War II started, and I was afraid to be over before I got in. So I ran away from high school and joined the Marine Corps. And while I was in the Marines, I realized if I ever hoped to get out, I better go to college. I was going to go to night school and make up the credits and then go to college. So I went down to the University of Southern California. I got in line with 4,000 XGIs. And I got to the head of the line. The lady said, fill this out. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what do you want to take? I said, I don't care. I said, English? I said, that's good. I said, French? Why not? Medieval history? Sure. I said, have it stamped over there. I went to the next desk, and the man stamped it. And I was in college. Well, the year went by, and they called me in. I said, you don't have a high school diploma. I said, I know. He said, and you're not supposed to be in college. I said, I know. So what do you want me to do now? They said, we'll make you a special student. I said, what does that mean? They said, you can't work for a degree. I said, I don't care about that. I don't have a high school diploma. There's no sense having a college degree. <laughs> but I had my revenge. Last year, the University of Southern California made me an honorary doctor of letters. So all you students out there are wasting your time. <laughs> now, a lot of people keep asking me, what does it take to become a humorist? Well, first you have to have an unhappy childhood. And I qualified for this. Um, my mother was taken away from me when I was born, put in an institution where she remained for 35 years. Uh, my father put me in an orphanage with my three sisters, and then I was put in a series of foster homes. Well, when I became seven or eight, I said, this is ridiculous. I'm going to become a humorist. <laughs> so I became the class clown, I made the kids laugh, and I got all the love I wanted from telling jokes and kidding around. And it was great when I was in grammar school, and it was even better when I was in high school. But when I joined the Marines, they didn't think it was so good. <laughs> Anyhow, I thought about it a lot recently. What does it take? Or what did it take me to become a, a humorist? And I decided to write a book, uh, a memoir of my life, and examine all the facets of this that made me a humorist. And in order to do it, I had to take off the mask that I used all my life to get by. 
because if I could make people laugh and tell jokes, I would never have to face up to the truth. So I did face up to the truth, starting the memoirs. And then I wrote the first version. It was all lies. And the second version was lies. And by the time I got to the fifth version, I was starting to deal with the truth. And the truth was that I was in this orphanage, and I didn't know too much about what was going on with me. But I did seem to know that I could get by because I had a few people, and I hope all of you have that person, and I hope you people become that person who cared about me. There was one teacher, Mrs. Egorkin, don't forget her name, and she believed in me. And every one of us need that one person or that two persons to believe in you. And if you're a writer, it's even more important because when you start out, nobody's going to read your stuff and nobody's going to tell you how good you are except for that one person or maybe two persons. And that's why things went so well for me. And the story is sad, but in ways it's very ironic, some of it. For example, I was in Paris at the fanciest restaurant in Paris, and the lady next to me was Mrs. Warner, Doris Warner, and her father was one of the Warner brothers. And we were sitting there, and I turned to her and I said, you know, I said, you and I have something in common. And she said, what's that? I said, I was in the Hebrew orphan asylum, and your father was its biggest supporter. And he built the gymnasium, and he gave us films. And her face went white. She said, how could you mention that place to me? And I said, why? What did I say? She said, when I was a little girl, my father dressed me in a patent, uh, patent shoes and a silk dress. And when I was eight and nine, and he made me give out Hanukkah presents, Christmas presents, to all of you. And every one of you spat on me. And suddenly I realized, here we were, two people in the fanciest restaurants in Paris, both scarred by the same institution. She because she had to give the presents, and I because I had to accept them. My story goes through, by the way, I don't want you to go out and buy this book. Just go in the bookstore and ask them if they're carrying it. <laughs> the book also has some humor. And one story is I, was, I wanted to work for Paramount Pictures. This was before I sued them. <laughs> and I was a kid. And I was 14 years old, and I went, and when I saw the... The sign outside, it said, John O'Connor, personnel manager. And I suddenly got a light. And I, I went in and I said, Father Murphy sent me. And the secretary heard those magic words and sent me in to see him. I didn't know any Father Murphy. But I knew he had to know a Father Murphy. So he sat down and he says, how's Father Murphy? I said, he's just fine. And he thought you could give me a job. And, and, and he said, oh, anything for Father Murphy. 
So he gave me a job, and I worked there three years in the afternoon. And that was kind of fun, because every time I saw him, he said, how's Father Murphy? <laughs> now, parts of the book does have humor. One, which I think some of you might experience, was uh, I was haunted, as we all are, by, uh, children, by an older, bigger guy than I was. And there was a guy named Santa Stefano, and he was waiting for me at the gate when I came out of school. And he'd say, hey, Jew. And I'd say, yes, sir. And then he'd punch me in the nose and started to bleed. Well, you can imagine how much fun I had at PS 35. <laughs> well, the years went by, I'm in Paris, and I'm working as a columnist. And this little old couple comes in the office, and they said, where's Sam Stefano's parents? He said, if we came to Paris to be sure and look you up. He still talks about the wonderful days you used to have at PS 35. <laughs> now, I know we're running against time here, so I will just sum up right now by one thing that I would ask all the young people in this room to do, based on my own experience with my book. And that is when you get back home, take a tape recorder. Take a tape recorder and interview your grandmother. Interview your grandfather. Ask them where they came from, where their parents came from. Interview your aunts and then your father and mother, who will be the most reluctant to talk to you about themselves. But your grandmother will tell you things that you've never known about your family. And do an oral history for yourself, for your family, and for your children. Thank you very much.